Welcome to our weekly weekly Wednesday night shear. Unfortunately, starting three minutes later than the nine fifteen time. Yet Hashem will make up for it. And request dedicate part of the shear for the Nishma the the Fuhr Shlema Raiva Zilpa. Tonight's shear is basically dedicated always as Nachman Yakim and Sihesh. Yaakov Nachman, see? Right. Yaakov Nachman, see here. And, Tonight, though, we are dedicating specially to Reb Mordechai Ben Menashe. The Shama should have Aliyah. Tonight is the outside. Hey, Tammuz. Um, Ma zare b'chayim, ma fu b'chayim. We are taught. We are taught that just like, or since, being that the offspring are alive, the person remains alive. One lives in their offspring, and since the offspring. Emanate and show the true values that they're raised with. Therefore, we know that indeed the father, the parent, did a splendid job. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Oh, that was not supposed to happen. One second. Unfortunately, the father in this case, Marachai ben had not much time to really give much of an education to his children. He could teach them the true values of being a mensch. Um, and that is proven and that is shown in it, all its colors in its entirety within his two sons, Cheskel and Doron, and his wife, Virginia, have long life and blessing. All the good deeds done by his children, his grandchildren, both Darren and Doron's children, Cheskel's daughter so far, Mitzchem, and she'll have fellows, she'll have other siblings, they emanate and they bring out and they show the true values that they were taught, they were brought up with, they were raised with, and that they were told they need to stand for. So in that schus, and the schus of tonight's shir, may be a good a lawyer, as his children are lawyers for others. And may he his neshama have an aliyah go higher and higher as the children will see to it of course to say Kaddish and all the schutim to reach the level of Hashem Dima Malkopan Bila Mavas Anetzach 
that God should wipe all tears and the concept of death should be absorbed forever as we're going to discuss in tonight's year this week's Pasha Pasha's Chukas this week was Gimel Tammuz and the next week is Yud Bez Tammuz Yud Bez Tammuz we'll talk about when we get to Yud Bez Tammuz Gimel Tammuz as we know is the Eschalta of the Gil the beginning of the redemption of the previous seven when the previous seven was was sentenced to death ultimately on Gimel Tammuz it was reversed and he was told that he would not die he would only have to go to Kastrama slave labor and ultimately even the Kastrama was taken back and the Friedrich Rebbe as we know was freed and came to America not without much punishment without much pain and of course we know that he was left wheel bound wheelchair bound and he was left um, speech was was deterred because of the tremendous affliction that he went through in under the regime of the maximum Russian government but Bashkukas we're beginning the month of Tammuz a peaceful week still. We've not yet embarked on the three weeks, which the summer always comes about with, which starts, of course, with Shavasava Tamas and then culminates with Tishabov. From Yat Hashem, we will talk about that in the future of the Nether. Take to you a Pora Aduma. I'm asked many times certain questions, shyness, and I've learned and I've studied and I've been taught how to answer many of those shyness. Then there are shyness which are not in my realm, not in my league, shall we say, and I unfortunately have to um, refer the Shaivas to other Rabbanim, um, either send the person themselves, if the person doesn't go themselves, I would go for them and discuss with other Rabbanim and get back with that to them with a solution. Someone asked, did you study? Did you not study? Do you have a license for this? Or do you not have a license for this? Are you... Ordained? Why can't you answer the certain questions that I ask? Certain things that I ask? Why, why are they so out of your league? Let's understand from what's going on over here. Rashi tells us, The Sultan and the other nations of the world are counting on the Jews' lemma to tell them 
Ma mitzvah hazeis? What's this mitzvah? Uma tam yeshbo. And what reason is there for this? I'm sorry, I didn't refer, make reference to it. It's chapter 19, verse 2. Perikyut test, posik beis rashi. Lefichach, therefore, kosav bo, the Torah writes, chuka gzeda, chuka gozri, gzeda This chuk is a gzeda, a decree. It comes from me, and you have no permission to inquire. Don't try to research it. Now, previously, in Pashas Achrei, in Chumash Vayikra, Leviticus 18, verse 4, Rashi explains the word Chukim, You'll find out. Be patient over there. These are Dvarim Shehem Gzedas Hamelech, Shehetzahara Meshivalehem, Lama Lanu Lishemram. What a chukim says Rashi over there back in Pajas Akrimais. These are decrees, things that are decreed by the king, that the Yetzahara goes to inquire about them, and asks, why are we keeping them? The the nations also go back on us, and inquire. says the I decree this upon you. You have no right to go back on it. Now, there Rashi does not use the same expression as the Rashi here, which ain't the Chorishus Lahar Rachadeha. We're just going to harp on that part. I gave you no Rishus to inquire, to dig into it. And over there it says, ain't the Shayim the Hippoter. You have no permission to try to weasel out of it. There, the Pasik says, Yetzahara. And here, the Pasik, the Rashi says, Satan, the Satan, and many other differences. We said before. The Medrash tells us, though, Shleima Hamelach, the King Solomon, understood the reason for every Chok and the Teda, except for Paraduma. I'm sorry. If you didn't listen to archives of the Shirim, and this is the first time you're listening to a Shirim or downloading it, there are three types of mitzvahs. Edus, Chukim, and Mishpatim. Edus are ones that testify, give testimony to something that happened to the Jews. We celebrate Pesach for the Jews leaving Egypt, Shavuos for Matan for receiving the Torah, etc., there are mishpatim, which are mitzvahs, that are mitzvahs, common knowledge, that a person, common decency, dictates, this is how one needs to behave. And there are chukim. Chukim are not discerned. Chukim do not tell us why. As a matter of fact, they even get a little bit awkward 
to understand why they're doing this mitzvah, what this mitzvah is doing. For example, the mitzvah of the Paraduma, the red heifer. The man became Tame. He touched, he became impure, he touched a dead body. He came in contact with a dead body, either dealing with a funeral, or just carried the corpse, or just bumped into the corpse while I was walking around in the field. Um, not the corpse, he. And he became Tame the Nefesh. <clears throat> now he's Tommy how does he become pure again so they need to take what's called the Paraduma the red heifer and they burn its ashes and they they burn it to ashes thank you and they take the ashes and they mix it with it's a, it's a concoction and then they spray this concoction on the person that is done with the nefesh. Now it's not done oftentimes, it's not done on a weekly basis obviously, as we'll soon discuss. When it's done though, and all said and done, the person that got sprayed is now pure again. Ironically though, the person spraying him becomes impure. So again, that's only part of the concept of the chok. Never mind the chok, the, the actual chok itself, understanding what's being brought and why the paraduma, why does it be exactly red, etc. Shleim HaMelech understood every chok except all the other chukim that there are in the Torah, except for paraduma. Which gives us the dictate to understand that every chok that there is in the Torah has logic behind it. And therefore, ultimately, I mean, Shleim HaMelech was the wisest man of them all, but ultimately it's possible that one can get and gather and understand. Questions will always remain, a doubt here and there, but you know it. So Shleim was able to understand this. He was able to overcome all these obstacles and understand all the chukim in the Torah except for Paraduma because Paraduma is not in the realm of Seichel. And therefore, Shleimah could not understand it. What does it mean in the boundary of Seichel, in the boundary of understanding, of a person's knowledge? Within the self is a question. All the other chukim, and the Yitzhahara comes and chases them and tries to talk the person out of doing it. He asks all the questions, he throws all the doubts. And ultimately, he can manage to deter the person from doing this, doing this mitzvah. Therefore, the Torah tells us, "Gzeiros hein." They are decrees. You cannot not do them. You must do them. When it comes to paraduma, though, seichel anushi, the normal human being's mind does not have capacity to understand it. 
only it pains a person sometimes to do something he doesn't understand. Most people like to know Efakatuv. Where does it say it? What's the basis on it? What are you basing it on? So therefore, Paraduma Rashi says, Shahasotan Vumisailam Minal Not Meshivan Alehim, not they just follow them along. Kimainin, they are twisting their arms. And that's why it says not Yitzhahara here, it talks about Sotan. He comes to torture the person and to dream a cup, as we call it. So therefore the tailor commands us and says, Don't even try to delve into this. There's no doubt you're going to keep this mitzvah. But the tzad has to be in a time and a way when a person <coughs> does it, the person has to know he's going to have to sacrifice. And that's why in the Kharashus Laharir, when you don't start digging, the Yitzhahara has nowhere, the Satan has nowhere to climb in. But very, very interesting to note, it says, Amalei HaKadosh Baruch HaLemesha, Lecho ani megala tam pora, avol l'acher chuka. To you, I am going to reveal the reason paraduma, but to everyone else, it remains a chayk. Moshe, the Almighty teaches Moshe the reason for paraduma. Understand them. Understand them. First of all, Ish Moshe. Moshe was a status. Was a status. For Moshe to have something in Tehra that he, Chas Shalom, does not understand, as painful as it is for the average Jew, for Moshe it would be literal torture. Moshe lives Tehra, he reads Tehra, he, he walks Tehra, everything is Tehra by him. Now all of a sudden to have to not understand something, to forego understanding something, it would be humanly impossible for him to grasp, to hold on to. Chazal tell us, if you keep your score at home, is the Gemara Nedarim Lamed Chesam and Aleph, 38 side 1. And the Gemara tells us, Shinnosna Lameisha Levadoi, this was given to Meisha only. Behu, and he, Nogba Tevas Ayin, he behaved with this, he kept it to himself. Everything else though, sorry, I'm sorry. Everything that was given in the Tera to Moshe, he He gave over to the Jews. So if that's the case, that's the Gemara tells us that everything that Moshe was taught, he gave over to the Jews. Huh? What happened, Paraduma? The taught you Paraduma. Why did you not have the Ayin Teva and tell us what's the reason? It, but every uh, all the chukim that he was given, he, no, he did. He, he didn't give the reasons per se, but he gave them, he explained them in a way that the Eden can ultimately, those who knew, were able to understand. Well, the paradum is different. Why the paradum is different? 
the paraduma, the reason for the paraduma, it's not shaykh for the brain to grasp. Chazal say, in the name of Hashem, Chukahi ugzeire gazarti ve'en kolberi yechir lamed al-gzirasai. It's a chok, it's a decree that I decreed, and there's no creation that can stand before this gzeira. It's not possible, says the Ebishter, for any creation to understand this. And therefore, it was not Shaykh to Mesha to reveal this to anybody. Because even if he revealed it to the Jews, they wouldn't be able to understand it. Because it's impossible for a creation in the world to understand this concept. HaKadosh Baruch is Kariyachal. There's nothing that HaKadosh Baruch can't do. There's no boundaries to the greatness and to the miracles that God can perform. And therefore, He was able to reveal to Meshach Rabbeinu an actual creation, a person, of a, a son of a mother and a father. He was able to reveal to this person, boss of Adam, I am revealing it to you. Only I can reveal this, and I'm only revealing it to you. And therefore, it's something that can be revealed only by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and only to whom HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to reveal it. So Moshe did not have the key or the capacity to reveal it to anyone else. As great as Mesha was, and although everything else in Teda he explained, this he didn't he wasn't able to give over. He was able to understand it himself, but not give it over. So when I'm asked questions and I say this out of my realm, this is where it goes. It's out of my league. I'm allowed to I learn it, I know about it. But to Praskin and to give Psaskidinim such things, only a Murdasra can give. Only a chief rabbi can give. And that is therefore the difference. They tell a story of a Frenchman that Rabbi Dreyfus from Netanya, a French born Jew, and he tells a story of a Makurim of his who had a nice last name, a nice Jewish last name prominent Jewish last name. Went by Yechveis, let's call him Michel, a real French name. Had absolutely no affiliation with Judaism whatsoever. Accuser. Wanted nothing to know about it. He was given a bris when he was born, but at eight days old he didn't know what was coming off, shall we say. Had no choice. Wasn't able to protest. But by the time of the Bar Mitzvah, he protested enough, he did not have a Bar Mitzvah, he didn't have anything. This Michelle liked socializing, he was a social butterfly. In his socializing, the higher aristocracy appealed to him. The politicians appealed to him. This is what he was into, he was into the politics. Let me meet prestigious people. 
No. And our friend decides to travel to the U.S. of A. Comes to America. Comes to America. Where do you go to America? To the capital of politics, New York. Who even thinks of Washington? There there's politicians. If you want to discuss and be with people talking politics, you come to New York. If you really want to hear politics, you, get, you sit in shul before during Kriya Satera. Uh, anyway, this Michelle is walking the streets of Manhattan. It's absurd. Tumult. There's noise coming from the next block. It's music. It's music. He starts to follow the music. And <laughs> he sees a big truck and there's a bunch of young guys standing outside talking to people and this and that. He gets closer, they have a table there. And this guy with straps hanging down, especially what's going on. And as he walks closer, not even realizing how close he had gotten, someone notices him and says, Shalom, are you Jewish? He says, ah, he says I'm, I'm French. Was your mother Jewish? Yeah, wait, my mother is Jewish. Then you're Jewish. Come. And he takes out the trill and he shows him the black box and the strap. Come put on trill. I, Monsieur, this is not for me. Kids say he started walking away. And he said something. The Bacha called him back with something that caught his ear. And from what the guy said, he caught his ear. He turned around and he started coming back. And he came back. And they got into a really great conversation. What do you like to do? You like politics? Oh, politics and the Bacha knew politics. Finally, the Bacha told him, You know what? Never mind the politics between the, this rabbi and that rabbi. You want to meet politicians? The real politicians in America, they come to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. On Sunday, the Lubavitcher Rebbe stands, he gives out dollars, and that's where the politicians are. He says, really? He says, yeah. He says, can you get me there? He says, we'll get you there. And they talked and they discussed and they went back and forth and they actually exchanged numbers. Exchanged numbers. He told them which hotel he was in, his phone number. Au revoir. Au revoir. Come Sunday morning. And the main desk calls up to our Mr. Weiss's room and says, Good morning, bonjour. He says, uh, You have your guest? I have a guest. Yeah. Who's the guest? He wants to talk to you. One man. And they give the chassid the phone and he says, Hi. Remember me? I told you I'd introduce you to politicians by the Bab Shereba. What are you talking about? I haven't had a coffee yet. I haven't even... I, you won't 
woke me up. I'm waiting downstairs. I have a cab. Let's go. No. Quick shower. Dressed. And they were in the cab. And an hour later, they were standing in front of 770. And there was a line. Why was there a line? The violent government is looking for politicians. Where's my politicians? You look for politicians. Come, we're going to go to the Rebbe. We're going to get to the Rebbe. Uh, they come in front of the Rebbe. And he says to him, the Bacha says to the Rebbe, this is a politician from France. No. The Rebbe asks him, what's your Hebrew name? My Hebrew name? My name is Michelle. No, 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 your Hebrew name. Oh, shows I'm Jewish. He gives him his last name, Reis Weiss. What name were you given by your bris, says the Rebbe? I have no idea. He says, go call your mother, find out your name, and come back here to me. No. <laughs> the Rebbe gave him a dollar of it, Zaka. And they're outside. He says, where's the politicians? The Bacha was, <laughs> was quick-witted and said, people who don't know the Hebrew names, the Rebbe doesn't introduce the politicians. <laughs> I gotta take care of this. Go back to the set. Two kisses on his cheek. And he was off to the hotel. Ganesh, the next, he calls, comes to the hotel and he calls his mother. What's my name in Hebrew? And he says, she says, I don't know. By my bris, what, what name did I give? She says, I don't know, you know what? We have one religious affiliated aunt in the family. She probably fasted at least three Yom Kippur's in her life. She'll probably remember your name. All right. He finds his aunt and he calls, yep. And he gets the Hebrew name and the next morning, the next Day, midday, one, two o'clock. He's in seven seventy. They told him the three fifteen that I was going to go out to Mincha. That I would go from his room across the foyer into the Bismillah. No, that I was going to go out three fifteen. They're standing in the hallway. The Rebbe comes out, and the Rebbe says, the Rebbe looks at him. And he leans over and says to the Rebbe, I have my Hebrew name. He says, what is it? Menachem Mendel. He was called Menachem Mendel by his bris. So the Rebbe told him, I don't want to misquote it. Not that this guy wrote it, show word for word verbatim. But the Rebbe told him, Um, you should be a good Jew and live according to the Shulchan Aruch. The Rebbe kept walking. He was he was grounded. He was stuck to the floor. The uh, the who knew there was no politicians to be found, booked it. <laughs> he left. 
You're not finding me around now. But this made a tremendous impact on our Menachem Mendel, our hero. He went back home. He contacted Chabad. And he started to play games with Judaism. To do things. How can I improve the world? Whatever told me to improve the world. What can I do to make a difference? Finally, he married a Jewish girl, and he set up a pretty Jewish, relatively Jewish home. He took on a hachlota, he took on a resolution, he's going to only eat kosher. Now this was no easy task. His lifestyle was whining and dining with the politicians and the aristocrats. To eat, to eat only kosher was not bedaraduna, was not happening thing. So he would go with these people to their restaurants and they would sit and they would eat and he would talk. He would take up some nuts or some black coffee, whatever. But he had undertaken a kosher diet. Anyway, one day he's meeting a client. Let's get the place. Because I don't recall. Um... He's meeting a client from Poland, and the, but the client told him that he likes seafood. And he took him to the top seafood restaurant. And they took off the Ashkacha from there. They caught him with crabs <laughs> and sea and other sea, sea creatures. Now there was no Ashkacha. Like I said, he would. Avoid the wine and the fish and everything. Anyway, the smell brought back horrific memories. It brought back tremendous pangs of, of, of hunger. It brought... I can't. He ordered every fakakta thing they make in the sea. I can't. Punished. Sitting there talking and waiting for the main course to be served. Did they have some nuts on the table? <laughs> the Polish client says to him, Your name is Weiss, he said. A nice Jewish name. He says, Yeah. Ah, maybe you can help me. I found an article in a newspaper, very confusing. I don't know what and where this is. He takes the paper out of his pocket, out of his briefcase, whatever it is. And he starts to unfold it. And he says to him, I don't understand, who, what is this Lubavitcher Rebbe? And he opens the article and this big picture of the Rebbe. Staring at the guy. And he says, oh... That's the same look I got <coughs> when I told the Rebbe my name is Menachem Mendel and I should keep Shulchan Aruch. He turns around. The waiter is ready to put down the platter. He says, so, do me a favor, waiter. My stomach's inside out. Just bring me a cup of tea. And he was saved from the trefus. This is a key that a Rebbe has. 
not anybody can pull off something like this, where not only the Rebbe's words to this person changed his life, not only the way the Rebbe's eyes changed his life, not only the Rebbe's voice that changed his life, not only the concept that he found out he has the same name as the Rebbe, the Rebbe followed up, saw to it that the client is going to have a picture of the Rebbe, so when he's at his weakest moments, the Rebbe would be there for him and with him as well. Taylor tells us about Paraduma, the red heifer. And it made somebody pure, as we said before, who touched a corpse, a human corpse. This mitzvah was attributed to Meshe Rabbeinu. He emphasizes the Jews bring the red heifer. Although the ashes themselves were prepared by a lozer, Aaron's son, the mitzvah was Meshe's mitzvah. As we said before, Meshe is the only one that understood it. Meshe's devotion to God characterized, of course, by the way he behaved, that nothing in the world could cause his commitment of God to waver. He was 100%. Nothing wavered, nothing weakened him. And therefore, everything that Meshach did was Netzach Salavod, everlasting. If you remember, I keep his guard home, Mesech the Saita, Tessamit Aleph, 9 side 1. The Mishkan the Meshach built, in the end, was hidden away. It was never destroyed by the enemies. Meshach himself, the Gemara says again, Reference to Seita, keeping score at home, it's 13 side 2, side B, you'd give him a base. Mother states matter of factly, Meisha lay mace. Meisha never died. Very powerful words. Mother asks, it says that Meisha died and was buried there. Just as Moshe was standing and serving, here too he's standing and serving. The same thing according to the Medrash Tanchuma. The ashes of Moshe's Paraduma outlasted all the other Paradumas. So much so, when ashes of a new Paraduma were made, they had a drop of the Paraduma of Moshe's. Or actually, the Kayan doing it was mitahir through with those with those ashes, the ones that Mishra used, was purified. And now we understand why they explain the mitzvah of Paraduma belongs to Mesha more than any other mitzvah. Because in order for the Paraduma to remove the impurity, <coughs> first it has to undo some degree the cause of the impurity, which is death. And therefore, the impurity, the purification, was directly connected to Mesha. It represents perpetuity, immortality, and this forever. 
But we have another very important lesson from Paraduma. The Yikhoelecha Paraduma Temima says the Pasuk, take a perfectly red heifer. Has to be complete, no blemishes. Rambam, Maimonides, who's a Sefer Shalachas, and he writes only Halacha in the Yad HaChazaka. In the Sefer Yad HaChazaka, he writes only Halacha. Everything, every chapter, every everything is only Halacha. So again, the Rambam, in his book of Mishnah Tera, he writes when it comes to the Dinim of Paraduma how the ashes were used for ritual purification. And then, the Rambam writes as follows. We're going to do it in English. Nine red heifers, he says, were offered from the time they were commanded to fulfill this mitzvah. He said before, it's not every week they brought one, but there were nine, until the second destruction of the temple. The first was brought by Mesha. The second was brought by Ezra, seven others were offered until the destruction of the temple. Then the Rambam goes and continues. This is already with the Halach we know. With the Halach we know that Moshe brought, Ezra brought, and the other seven. And that there were nine. And the tenth will be brought by Melech HaMashiach, says Rambam. Okay. So we have another Halacha. The first two, Moshe and Ezra, Seven in between, it's nine, and the tenth will be brought by Mashiach. But that's not where the sim the sif finishes. Then the Rambam continues and writes, May he speedily be revealed a man can yihiratzon. That's not halacha. What makes Rambam deviate from words of halacha? He only discusses halacha. How is he changing it now? It's a beautiful thing. Talk about Melech HaMashiach. Yes, that's the way to say it. But that's not halacha. And it's not Allah here talking about Mashiach. Biyas and Mashiach is talking about Baraduma. Evidently, with Rambam's spontaneous prayer, he intends to teach us another halacha. The fulfillment which is expressed by such spontaneity. Spontaneity. In Hilchus Malachim, the Rambam writes that belief in the future redemption of the Jewish people through Mashiach, as well as constantly longing for his arrival, is a fundamental principle of the Jewish faith. The obligation to yearn for Mashiach, not only conceptually, but emotionally, means that a Jew must sense that the redemption is a critical need. And without it, his life is severely lacking. He therefore anxiously awaits the coming of Mashiach to the extent that the mere mention of the topic is deeply emotional. Just mention the word Mashiach and the Jew gets emotional about it. 
This explains why the Rambam inserted the prayer for Mehele Yigaleh, Amen Ken Yihiratsun. Specifically in somewhere that has nothing to do with this set of laws. He just mentions Mashiach Rambam and he had to say it. So in this way the Rambam is actually demonstrating our intense yearning for the redemption must be in such a level that mention the word Mashiach and say, Oh, Mekhen Yerotzen. Mehdi Yigole. And Yechi. This is the halacha that the Rambam is actually teaching, although it is not in the realm of the halachas that he's learning. Almost in a rock and a hard place. This week's parasha come up with another problem. The passing of Miriam passing of Miriam and this causes tremendous, tremendous strife. The repercussions are horrific in that the water ceases to flow because it was in the merit of Miriam all the time. Now that they had no water, the Jews once again formed a lynching party for Meshe Rabbeinu. And once again, was screaming and yelling and jumping up and down. No, Houston, we have a problem. So what do we do? So Meisha turns to the Yevishah and the Yevishah says to him, Kach es hamate, take again that staff. Dabr al go talk to the stone. We know the story. He goes to talk to the stone. Only a few drops came out. Must have used the wrong stone. Or the stone is not behaving. He hit it just like he did it the first time. He hit it twice. And the flowing water began. And the Ebesha says, Because you diminished the Amunas Hashem, because you made a decrease in the Jewish Amuna, therefore you're not going to Israel. We also learn about passing of Arna Kain. Arna Kain had another schus that was going up for him. The bear was Miriam, and Aaron had the Ananiya Kovid, the clouds. No. Question becomes a very, very simple one. When, when, when Miriam passes away, pardon my French, all hell breaks loose. No water, they come to attack. When Aaron passes away, then Aaron covered went away, nobody says boo. Hey, those clouds were very, very vital. Those clouds surrounded the Jewish nation from all sides. The clouds were on top of them to protect them from the sun on the sides and on the bottom of them and then there was in front of them and then there was on the bottom and on top. What I say to also? 
This is a big thing. No noise. No nothing. What happened here? So the truth is, okay, when it came to the water, they had nothing to drink. Did I lose him? Um, I don't know. So when he came to the water, they had nothing to drink. Yeah, I did. Unless he's here. Are you home already? No, okay. So they had nothing to drink. So it was a, a, a storm. When it came to the clouds, it was not such a catastrophe. Why so? One cloud they had in front of them, one cloud rode in front of them, and this cloud flattened the mountains, flattened the mountains, and destroyed anything that would hurt the Jews. According to some opinions, when the clouds, the Ananiak COVID that went away, were not the Ananiak COVID, were not only the clouds that were around the Jews, surrounding the Jews. It was just the, the Ananiak COVID were the Ananim that were in front of the Jews. Ultimately, it's brought down that the Anan, the, the cloud that traveled in front of the Jews, made the, the land straight. All the mountains were taken out. All the valleys were taken out, so the Jews would walk on a straight land. Except for Herahor, where Aaron was buried. Okay. Herahor, where Aaron was buried. And Harnavo, where Moshe was buried. Hasinai. These are the three mountains that were left alone. So according to what we're saying, the mountains, Moshe passed away after Aaron. So they still had to get to Harnavo. They still had to get to Harnavo. What's going on over here? What are we missing here? How did, where was, how did they survive without the mountains? Elamai, Adam dies, Rishchidish of. And the Yamada tells us, it starts to cool down. The sun is not as strong as usual. For the whole summertime, the sun starts to get weaker on Chamishas above. That's why 
keeping score at home. It's about in Tainus. Lamed Aleph Amar Aleph, thirty-one side one. That's why when we talked in the Shiurim and passed in Tuba it talks about why they couldn't take wood anymore for the Bismillah, for the fires. So therefore the clouds around them were not so, not so important anymore. That's why it didn't bother them that much. But according to Rashi, in the end of Pashat Bolok, we say simply, that there were still clouds after Aaron passed away. As you see by the people that sinned by Balpair, Hashem the sun revealed who the ones that sinned. Why? The clouds opened up like a can of sardines and the sun shone on those who sinned. Therefore, we can understand that what it says, Rashi, that to begin with, all the clouds did not leave when Aaron passed away. Only Anani are covered. And therefore, it's not a question why there was no noise when Aaron passed away. What happened with Anani? Because the main clouds that were needed were still there. And this is even after the passing of Aaron. And these clouds took them to itself. And we see this from the Rashi in our Pasha as well. That after the passing of Aaron, there was the Mecham of Israel. They came, they went back seven stops. It means they went back into Midbar Agadul And therefore they needed to have still to be protected from the sun of the desert. So according to this we understand that Rapshat and Anayakovid were Ischus Aaron. They went away, they did not come back. According to what the Chazal tells the Medrash, that Chazru are not in Bishkus Mesha, the other clouds returned in Bishkus of Mesha. According to Rashi, according to the regular Pshat, Mesha was worried because he was a true shepherd for the Jews. These things, that every, to make sure the Jews had everything they needed. And therefore, he made sure the water came back and everything else. Because the truth is, they wished to go the water. The Jews could have survived if they wished to want it. But these clouds, Meisha made sure they were covered for the Jews, that they should have it. And even though Aaron passed away, they did not stop. To add to the fact that Meisha worried about the Jews, like a royal shepherd, a devoted shepherd, that they should be not lacking anything, even after Meshav bin passes away. We said, Meis Meshav Shabbat Laber says that Meshav died and then the Be'er again stopped. This was when the Jews were actually by the Yardin. And they didn't need the water from the Be'er any longer. And the same thing with the Mun that came down. Even when Meshav passed away at Zion other, the Mun stopped. Until Shishasa Benissa they were able to get. This is the greatness of a leader and the greatness of our teacher and master Mesha and the discuss of us learning Tedas Mesha and living in Tedas Mesha, the discuss of Malachai ben Menashe, the Shamash Rav and Aliyah today, and all these Chusim, we should be Zeicha and Merit. This very Shabbos, 
to be in Yerushalayim, Irak Kedish, Shabbat Shalom.